Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, The Wolverine Show. It's the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I'm your host Ryan, today's episode, our third episode in March. We are now halfway through the month, and uh, three-fifths now of the way through Silver Samurai Month. That's right, this is the third episode of Silver Samurai Month. The first week of March, we covered Silver Samurai's debut in the pages of Daredevil and then covered some of his uh, ensuing adventures in the pages of Marvel Team-Up where we got to see him working with and for Viper for the very first time, his his longtime partner. After that, last week, we covered New Mutants numbers five and six because Silver Samurai and Viper went up against the New Mutants and in those two issues, we learned the identity of the Silver Samurai. Turns out he is the half-brother of Mariko Yashida, the love of Logan's life. And at this time in the comic books, Wolverine had, well, spoiler alert, just killed Mariko's father, and Mariko was taking over Clan Yashida, and Wolverine was going to marry her. And uh, Silver Samurai got wind of that and was not happy. And so he and Viper vowed that when their mission was completed they would head back to Japan to exact their revenge. This time around, I want to cover a storyline that paints the Silver Samurai in a somewhat different light. We get to see an honorable side of the Silver Samurai in today's episode. And today we are covering the one-shot, the double page, or excuse me, double... uh, double-sized issue called Wolverine Doombringer. So the best I can find, this series came out in spring or summer of, it appears to be about 1998, spring, summer, 98. Um, And although it came out pretty late in the 90s, this story actually takes place uh, around the the early to mid, well, I guess more like the mid to late 1980s. This story in continuity takes place during the Madripoor years, the patch years, if you will, when the X-Men team was stationed in the outback and the whole world at large thought that the X-Men had died uh, saving mankind from like the adversary and the dire wraiths way back during the fall of the mutants uh, storyline. It had to do with the mutants going through the siege perilous and then ending up in uh, the outback eventually. And so at this point in time, Wolverine was keeping his identity a secret, you know, his, his Wolverine persona was, was kept secret. And so every now and then he would, uh, spirit himself away from the Outback and the rest of the X-Men and go sneak off to Madripoor and just kind of hang out, do some stuff on the island. And uh, some of his adventures took him all sorts of different places. And so this storyline takes place during that time in his life. So even though it was written in like 98 or came out in 98, it takes place closer to 1988. It takes place after the Silver Samurai has claimed the honor sword of Clan Yoshida, which I'm misremembering if that happened in the Uncanny X-Men 172-173 storyline, or if that was more or less during that like first story arc 
uh, sword quest of uh, the Wolverine ongoing. Um, so I'm drawing a little bit of a blank there, but it takes this story at least takes place place after both of those storylines and before the events of Wolverine 56 and 57. So those of you who listened last week and did your homework and went back and listened to episode 12, uh, you would have listened to the first half of that episode where I discussed issues uh, 172 and 173 and then had you stop to, to listen to this episode. Um, and then after that, yeah, go back and listen to episode 12, uh, the second half where I discuss Wolverine volume two, 56 and 57, uh, because that was also a fair, a very important part of uh, silver samurai's overall story arc. So anyway, this story, Wolverine doom bringer, it was a one shot. It was written by Doug Mensch with pencils from, and I'm sure I'm saying his last name wrong, but Michael Aukevich or Aukevich. I don't know. Um, and then we have inks from Jimmy Palmiotti letters from Richard Starkings and comic crafts, Emerson Miranda and colors from Mark McNabb with Dennis Calero and atomic paintbrush. So that is the creative team that brings us this story. And the story begins at the ancient temple of Tangkor Marat in what is present day Thailand. Only we are about a thousand years in the past. And we see that at this place, Tangkor Marat, uh, that there's like two towers, one on the north side, one on the south side of this ancient site. And we see that there's this battle taking place here at this ancient area between two opposing factions. And we get a little bit of backstory and we find out that one of the opposing factions uh, is trying to summon forth what they call the Doombringer, which is, they think it's a demon. I think throughout the story, it's kind of posited instead that it's in fact just an extra dimensional being. Uh, but either way, one faction is trying to summon this thing to earth. The other faction is trying to prevent it. And, <laughs> like they each have their own headquarters in like the different towers of this area. So it's kind of weird because you have this like big square kind of area with a tower on one end and a tower on the other, like a palace type thing. And you have one faction in one and the other faction in the other. Like it almost, it, it's almost like spy versus spy where like, if you read those old strips, they're like headquarters were just like right across the street from one another. Uh, it, so it kind of brings that around. Eventually what happens is, the bad side, I guess, the ones that want to summon the Doombringer, they begin to open this portal thing. And it's like the creature is coming through. Its arm is all the way through this portal when the opposing faction is able to then like just stop time. They create like a bubble in this in this place where time freezes. And that includes the this creature that's coming through this portal. So everything is frozen as is. And a thousand years pass by and we're still in Tangkor Marat but this time a thousand years have gone have gone by then there's this earthquake and it seems that this earthquake kind of you know it rattles the earth enough that one of these guys who was at this battle a thousand years ago shakes free somehow he kind of shakes all the way outside of this like cone of frozen time and he wakes up and 
that's all that we see. You know, the guy wakes up and he's like, oh my gosh, everyone's frozen. And he just runs off into the jungle. So then we go to Madripoor about six months after that dude wakes up and disappears into the jungle. We're in Madripoor. We're at the princess bar and Logan is there with his patch on, just having a drink, shooting the breeze, hanging out like he usually does. We don't see like O'Donnell or any of those characters. So I don't remember if at the time this story takes place, if those characters were still alive or what the deal is with them, just because I know that sometimes they're alive, sometimes they're not. And I, I kind of have a hard time keeping it straight. But we don't see him or anything. We just see Wolverine at the bar having a drink. And some rowdy customer is like arm wrestling a bunch of other guys. He breaks one dude's arm and he's like boasting, I can beat anyone in this dump and all that. So naturally Wolverine, who is probably bored, you know, if he's not, you know, engaging in fisticuffs is like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm your Huckleberry. And so they have a, an arm wrestling match. And uh, and Logan, of course, beats this guy because, come on, like it's Logan. And the guy immediately accuses him of cheating. He pulls out a hand cannon. He shoots Wolverine, uh, who then heals. It, it, this whole sequence is like eight pages long. And really all it does is it introduces the reader to Wolverine and explains Wolverine's a mutant. He has a healing factor and he's got these adamantium claws that can cut through anything. <laughs> so if this is the very first ever Wolverine thing you've ever read, you, you, you've been living under a rock, you pick up Wolverine Doombringer in 1998 and you read it. Now you've gone through a crash course of who, who Wolverine is. He's this little tough guy who hangs out at a bar and, you know, beats up on these unsuspecting but you know an annoyingly uh obnoxious drunkards and uh he heal like he heals and he picks up the bullet off the ground and like swallows it i don't know it's i guess it's an intimidation tactic i don't know uh but it scares the dude and eventually i think the dude runs away like wolverine isn't gonna be dropping bodies in the princess bar because you know that's that's where he hangs out so i think he just beats the guy enough to kind of scare him and, and eventually the guy runs off and after this whole thing goes down, we see that Lady Mariko is there and she's kind of been watching from the side. And so once this whole thing plays out, she's like, hey, Wolverine, like, let's talk. I got some things to say to you. Uh, so if if you guys did your homework and you went back and you listened between last week and this week to Uncanny X-Men 172, 173, that was supposed to be the wedding of Wolverine and or logan and lady mariko of course we also know having listened to last week's episode of uh where we covered new mutants five and six that silver samurai in the united states working with viper got wind that his father shingen yashida was killed and that his half-sister mariko took the mantle of clan leadership and he feels that he was usurped because this position was promised to him by his late father. And so during that whole story arc with the new mutants, Viper and the silver samurai vowed that once this was done, whether they complete the mission or not, they're going to head back to Japan and pretty much have their revenge, have their revenge on Wolverine, have their revenge on lady Mariko and take back the clan. Of course, we see what happens in those two issues of uncanny X-Men, you know, Wolverine gets there, the X-Men arrive, they end up helping and kind of preventing everything from happening, at least preventing all the bad stuff from happening. And also during that time, you know, rogue actually saves lady Mariko's life and that's enough to earn 
uh, her respect from Wolverine and all that. So it's a really great story just for not just for the Wolverine, uh, but for everything that's going on. I think that's also the story arc where Rogue meets Yukio and then also becomes Mohawk Storm for the next, you know, however long. So uh, fun two issues, but that's kind of where we were at. So you will have learned that the reason why Mariko calls off the wedding at the end of those two issues is because she has learned about all of the past shame of Clan Yashida and that she cannot marry Wolverine until she has been purified of all of this shame and that it's going to take years of work on her part as the new leader of Clan Yashida to pull the clan out from all of its illicit activities and make up for all of that. So the, the storyline, as great as it is, it ends with, you know, broken-hearted Wolverine. And that's how it stands between the two of them pretty much up until Lady Mariko's death. So in this particular issue, Lady Mariko comes to talk to Wolverine and there's there's a gulf between the two. There's obviously pain in each of their hearts as they're talking, but nevertheless, Lady Mariko needs Wolverine and she knows that he won't turn down a favor. So she comes here to Madripoor to ask him for help. And she fills him in on everything that's been going on. And she said, you know, about six months ago, give or take, this, this guy showed up who claimed to be a member of Clan Yashida, an archer for the clan, a samurai in employment of, you know, the lord of the clan. But she didn't know this guy. She said that his phraseology was archaic, that the samurai clothes he was wearing were from like a thousand years in the past and all this. And she tells Wolverine that what this guy told her is that a thousand years ago, he was at this battle. And there's this whole thing where the clan was being taught by these mysterious creatures. And there was this thing called the Walker between worlds. And so they were, there was this whole thing with the Doombringer being brought to the world and all this, but eventually Lady Mariko, she listens to enough and kind of deems this guy to be a madman and sends him away. But after she sends him away, it didn't sit right with her. And so she begins to do the research and look into the history of the clan and the mythology of the clan and all of these folktales that are specific to Clan Yashida. And she realizes that a lot of the stuff in these, story, in these stories and these fairy tales and things was corroborated by what this guy told her. And she thought, well... In the offhand chance that this guy is telling the truth, you know, they live in a world where fantastical things happen all the time, and it's not outside the realm of possibility for this to have occurred, she decided better safe than sorry, and she came to Madripoor to ask Wolverine. And the reason why she has to ask Wolverine is because when she turned this man away, she was afraid that maybe this man would have turned to other members of Clan Yashida who oppose her and who would believe this man, specifically the Silver Samurai. And so if she does anything out in the open, it might tip off the clan that all is not well among the leadership, that there is a verge between Lady Mariko and Silver Samurai, who has kind of taken on some of the clan duties as well. There's like a begrudging peace at this point between the two of them, uh, although they do have opposing viewpoints of how the clan should be run and in what direction it should be taken. But either way, she doesn't want to somehow bring the clan into a civil war. There is a tepid peace. And so she turns to Wolverine and asks him to look into it on her behalf. And of course, Wolverine 
has to agree. He cannot turn down a favor asked from Lady Mariko because he loves her. So that is like the whole storyline. That's the whole premise of this whole thing. It's like, it's a 50 page thing. So it's like a, a, a one shot or a, 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 just a double issue, a double size issue. Uh, at that point, Wolverine decides, all right, she told me that it's at this place called Tengpur Marat in present day Thailand, somewhere in the jungle, but she doesn't know where. And, you know, the jungle in Thailand is huge. So Wolverine doesn't want to just go in blind. So Wolverine himself actually heads to Japan. He heads to the Miyago prefecture where there is a town called Agarashima, which is a port city that houses the ancestral headquarters for Clan Yoshida. It is the base of operations for Silver Samurai and his portion of the clan. And he decides, all right, if the archer left Mariko, the next possible place he's going to go is this place. And he's probably going to talk to whoever's in charge of this place, which is the Silver Samurai. So that's where Wolverine heads. He heads straight to the Silver Samurai to confront him about this, you know, ancient clan archer. And Wolverine arrives and, you know, all the ninja and samurai and stuff that work for the clan, you know, stop him. And he's like, hey, look, are we going to fight? Because you're not going to win. And it's just going to, it's going to make everyone angry. So just like, let me in. Let me talk to Kenny Uchio. So he goes in and he finds the silver samurai there. And he tells the silver samurai, like, I'm here to stop you and, you know, hand over the archer and all this. And silver samurai is like, well, wait, hold on, man. Here's the deal. The archer revealed that, you know, Clan Yoshida was on the side that was trying to bring the Doombringer, which should probably end the world. And he's like, you know, and and even if that was what the clan wanted a thousand years ago, he's like, I kind of like it in the real world. You know, I have money here and I can spend it here and I'm alive and stuff. So, no, like I told my clan, we're not going to do what the archer says, like to heck with a thousand years of history or whatever. Like this is where we're at now. And he went into town on some business, and when he came back, he actually found that the archer had left with 20 of his formerly loyal samurai, now traitorous samurai of the Yashida clan. And so Wolverine's like, oh, okay, so I I didn't expect we were going to be on the same side, but it kind of seems we are. So should we call, you know, a temporary truce? You've got the map, right? Because, you know, when the archer got here, Silver Samurai made him draw a map. So naturally, Silver Samurai's like, yeah, I got a map. Wolverine says, great, I've got a plane that, you know, you're bringing half, I'm bringing half. Let's team up and we'll head out to the jungles of Thailand. And so they do. Wolverine hooks up with his old pal, Archie Corrigan, ace pilot extraordinaire. Even if he has a fairly decrepit plane himself, he is still a crack pilot. So he flies Wolverine and the Silver Samurai into the jungles of Thailand, following these coordinates as best they can. And they realize that, you know, there's a clearing about 17 miles away from where they need to be. And that's the best that they're going to be able to do. So that's what they do. They fly over this clearing about 17, call it roughly 20 miles away. And, you know, they jump out of the plane, they parachute down and they actually get through the entire jungle of Thailand with no incident. If this was like 120 pages or something, I'm sure they would have fought some sort of jungle creature, giant snake or predatory cats or something. But, you know, they just, they land in the jungle and the very next page they're on the 
uh, outskirts of this area, Tangkor Marat, which is like this giant, uh, well, not giant, but, you know, a fairly large temple area that, like I said, it has like a tower slash temple thing on one side, on the north side, another one on the south side. And in between is just like this great common area where this battle has been frozen. And they realize that the time is frozen, but only in this area. All the jungle and stuff around it has been overgrown for the last thousand years. This area has never been discovered since it's so remote and so far deep in the middle of this jungle that it's, you know, no one has ever accidentally come across this frozen temple thing, if you will. And so they walk right up next to it and there's kind of like a barrier that they can kind of tell. It's not really shown in the illustrator, in the drawings, in the pencils, in the pencil work, if there's like a, a, like a physical barrier or something kind of like in say WandaVision where you actually have this, this, well, it almost looks like a, a 3d wall of light. You know, it's like it, you can reach out and touch it. It's a, it's this wall. It's kind of like that, but it's like more shimmery and stuff, maybe more kind of just like a, a hazy area. Either way, they get right up to it and they're like, well, hmm, what should we do? Like, should we just walk into it? Should we throw a rock or whatever? And Silver Samurai's like, well, hey, you know what? Here's the deal. How about you go first, Wolverine? And uh, if you get stuck, I'll just reach in and pull you out. And Wolverine's like, uh-huh. But if you reach your arm in, wouldn't your arm just freeze and you wouldn't be able to, to pull me out anyway? And so Silver Samurai's like, eh, fair point. And so they just walk in together. Uh, I guess neither trusted the other one enough that if they didn't walk in, that they wouldn't just leave the other one there frozen for a thousand years. Uh, so they walk in together and they find out that inside this area, everyone is still frozen. They're walking around through this like battle area and they're noting that the arrows are still frozen in the sky and people are still frozen having, you know, in the middle of being impaled and stuff. And like, I hate to say it, but the blood is still wet, but it's not flowing or anything. It's just, it was frozen exactly as it was. And as they're in this area, like observing this battle, Wolverine picks up a scent, a scent that he says is unlike anything he's ever smelled before, you know, probably the scent of pure evil, something like something along those lines. Right. And so the scent leads them to one of the two temples. I, I, don't recall if it was the north or the south and i never wrote it down because frankly it doesn't really matter so they they go into one of the temples and eventually they find the room that has the portal and they can even see the creature's arm you know sticking out through the portal and everything and they're like huh well this is weird but you know the good news is he's frozen in the portal so we've solved the mystery and like i guess the job's over and they head back out and I think they're trying to determine whether or not they can just leave, you know, go, but they, they solved the mystery. It was, yep. The guy was right. It's frozen the end. Um, but then they realize, oh, well we can't just leave because the archer is still on the loose with the 20, you know, traitorous clan Yoshida members. So we have to do something. And it's funny that this is the moment that they finally think of those guys because like across the way in the other temple, uh, the samurai from clan Yoshida have determined a way to unfreeze time. You see, we thought that the reason why that first archer became, you know, unstuck in time is because there was an earthquake and it knocked him outside of this 
this dome thing, but that's not quite what it was. It turns out it was a specific vibrational frequency that was triggered by the earthquake far enough away that by the time it reached this area, it was only strong enough to affect the one guy that was closest to the whole thing. And so they realize if we create another sonic vibration on that same wavelength or frequency or whatever it's called, we should be able to wake everything up. We should be able to stop this time freeze and everyone will wake up, including the people who are opening the portal that the Doombringer is coming through. And that's exactly what happens. And it happens while Wolverine and Silver Samurai are standing right in the middle of this ancient battlefield. So here they are standing there with all these weird kind of statuesque people. And all of a sudden, everything is just brought to life again. Everything erupts just as it was. There's arrows flying through the air. Samurai are slashing at people left and right. And of course, Silver Samurai's armor is good enough that he kind of blends in and they, no one who's there like realizes that he's an outsider or that he's not supposed to be there. But they all see Wolverine there. And so they just assume like, hey, this thing that's brand new that we don't recognize that just appeared in the middle of nowhere or out of thin air, I should say, this must be the demon. This must be the Doombringer. So they all start attacking Wolverine to try to bring him down. And Wolverine, you know, begins, he's, at first he's dodging and stuff, and then he starts reluctantly fighting back. But before he can really do anything, all of the people there start to wither away as if they've just aged 1,000 years in a matter of seconds. Now, it's unclear why these ones all just waste away immediately, whereas this other archer guy has been alive, you know, for six months after waking up. And they don't really explain that. Like, I think Wolverine actually asks that question, or maybe it's Silver Samurai. And the other one just says, Meh, I don't know. And so <laughs> that's it. Like, we never get to the bottom of that mystery. But, you know, who cares? It 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 happens. Like, it, it just happens. If it didn't happen, the story couldn't take place, right? So we're just going to let it. We're just going to let it happen so that we can read this story. So, you know, after all the, all heck breaks loose, you know, that I guess they, uh, they just make their way back into where the Doombringer is. They, oh, you know, that's right. They actually see the archer heading into the area where the Doombringer is being summoned. So all these people waste away immediately, but the archer is still alive and he's making his way into that area. So naturally, Wolverine and the Silver Samurai are like, yeah, we should probably head in there too. And, you know, if that guy does come through the portal and he doesn't age a thousand years and immediately die like everyone else, like we should probably go in there and, and make sure that we stop him if, you know, if we must. And we see from the archer's point of view, he has begun to age. It's finally caught up with him as well and he's like slowly wasting away but he gets there just in time to see the doombringer fully come through the portal and then we cut back to wolverine and the silver samurai and they've now made their way into the same area and they see the portal and they see an arm coming through the portal and there's all this weird green glowing energy that's surrounding this portal and they realize that energy is coming from this like massive crystal that's kind of hanging right by the side. So they're like, uh oh, it's it's coming through. Like we we haven't stopped it. We better figure out how to. And Silver Samurai's like, hey, maybe we should destroy that crystal. And Wolverine's like, Bub, I like where your head's at. He pops his claws, he destroys the crystal, and it shuts the portal down. The arm that was coming through is severed and it falls to the ground. And Wolverine says, Mission accomplished. 
we stopped the creature from coming through. Here's the proof. You know, we saved the day. And Silver Samurai says, well, hold on, because look, there's the archer. He didn't just wither away and turn into dust. He was killed. And he must have been killed by the Doombringer. This, this one that we just stopped coming through this portal, this must have been a second one. And so Wolverine's like, ah, you know, like, dang it, you know. Uh, and so they decide, all right, well, we don't know how long ago he came through. It, was it immediate? You know, it took us like 10 minutes to walk down here. So that's plenty of time for this creature maybe to have gotten out, you know, gotten into the jungle, headed toward a city. Or as Silver Samurai says, perhaps even worse, it knows how to open another portal. So Wolverine and the Samurai decide, well, we can't let that happen. This thing probably has gotten out. We have the proof in the dead Samurai. So we got to find this thing and put a stop to it if we can. So they split up to search the grounds of this area. And Wolverine himself climbs up to like the top of some tower thing and looks all around. And eventually he spies across the way, you know, Silver Samurai doing his own search. But Silver Samurai has come across members of Clan Yoshida. And he is not happy. He tells them, you know, you're traitors and you're going against the, the clan and all this. And the guy's like, who cares? Like, we're doing what the clan wanted from a thousand years ago. And when we bring the Doombringer, it's going to destroy the world. And like, we'll get to rule with it in, you know, whatever this other dimension. And they keep saying, like, we'll get to rule along, you know, we'll get to rule hell at its side and all this. It's like, and, and Silver Samurai is trying to reason with him. He's like, but is that really what you want? Like, it's this new world or whatever that you people envision you're going to get to be co-rulers of. Like, it's not nearly as good as this world we live in now where we have money to spend and things that we can do. You know, there's beauty here and there's fun and all this. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, it falls on deaf ears. These people have been radicalized in the short couple of days or whatever. It's taken them to go from the clan home to this, uh, this area of the jungle. But it is what it is. And so Wolverine is kind of watching all of this go down. And Silver Samurai pulls out his sword and he's like, all right, well, so be it. If you are, in fact, traitors of the clan, then... I'll have to fight you guys. And Wolverine's like, well, he's, he's watching this all play out. And he realizes that all of the members of the clan have like automatic weapons. Right. And Silver Samurai has his sword. And even though it can cut through everything, it's like two feet long. So it can only reach that far. And, you know, bullets go a lot faster than the Silver Samurai does. So Wolverine's like, all right, well, you know, I don't like this guy. In fact, I hate him. But you know what? Like, I, I'm starting to respect this guy. Like, he, he's got... Uh, He's all brass where it counts is what he says. And this is really the beginning of a begrudging respect between these two characters. The one thing I like about the Silver Samurai arc is he never really becomes a full-on ally of Wolverine. He never becomes a friend. But he starts off as an adversary and he becomes a reluctant family member, really. Uh, he's... Lady Mariko's brother and, and Wolverine is in love with Mariko. So whether they like it or not, you know, the, these two are connected through, you know, pseudo familial bond. And eventually they do have the same kind of goals. You know, the, the clan goals align eventually at some point. And this is kind of the beginning of that begrudging respect, you know, event, they, they may never ever grow to like each other, but they do, grow to respect one another and at some 
sometimes even rely on one another. Uh, but this is kind of the beginning. And it's, it's weird that it comes so late, you know, so long after this point of continuity actually occurred. But yeah, this is kind of the beginning of that. And so Wolverine's like, well, hey, I can't let this guy go up against these 10 dudes with with automatic weapons on his own. So he jumps down from where he is and kind of runs over to help even the odds. You know, it's now it's Silver Samurai and Wolverine versus these these 10 guys. And so the battle starts. They fight these 10 other guys. It takes like two pages and there's some decent action in there. And uh, eventually these 10 traitors to the clan lay dead at their feet. Uh, now Wolverine could heal. So if he got shot during this thing, it doesn't really matter because he can heal. But the Silver Samurai does not have a healing factor. And unfortunately, his armor is only able to protect him in so much. And so he he shot like three times. You know, he eventually takes takes three wounds and he feels like he can't continue on. So even though the battle outside is over, the the whole battle is not yet been fought and uh, silver samurai kind of has to bow out and he's like i can't i can't stand on my own so wolverine says all right well i'll leave you here try to bleed slower if you can um and i'll go in there and and you know fight the the doom bringers as best i can and as he's running in there you know silver samurai calls out like don't forget there's there's 10 more guys in there and, and wolverine's like yeah well you know it, it is what it is the odds are what they are like i'm either gonna go in there and be overwhelmed or i'm not like but th- those are the only two options here. So he runs into this temple and re- and he sees that the other 10 have been killed, you know? And so he just follows the trail of carnage. He follows the scent. And eventually he comes face to face with the Doombringer itself. And it's this big pink, pinkly, you know, purpley blue kind of thing. I mean, I don't know. It, it It's this just this strange looking monster and um, I'm not really quite sure how to describe it. The closest thing that I can think of is if you've ever played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic way back on the original Xbox or PS2 back in like 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. Uh, one of my favorite video games of all time, one of my one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. But in that game, eventually you make your way to this dark side planet, this planet of the Sith called Korriban. And in and on this planet, there's like six different temples that you have to go in, or there's like six temples, but there's four of them that you have to go in. And in one of them, you fight these beasts who are like force resistant beasts called like Tarantatex. That's how I always said it, but I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Anyway, you have to fight these beasts and they're, they're, you know, maybe twice the size of like a regular dude and, and they're pretty big. Uh, and they're just like these vicious kind of looking beasts, you know, they're bipedal and stuff like that. That's kind of what this thing reminds me of is like, you know, Wolverine's version of those creatures. They don't, it doesn't necessarily have like these big tusks, but that's kind of what it looks like. It's, it's got all this like hard, you know, these like gnarly, uh, spikes on its hide and stuff like that. And it's got these big, you know, scary looking claws and very strong feet that, you know, for stomping and stuff like that. So that's what he comes face to face with. And they fight. I mean, there's nothing else to do, right? It's Wolverine versus this beast. And so they're going to fight and one of them is going to die. So it takes like five pages. And I have to call out the the artwork here. Not call out, but shout out the artwork here. Because it's pretty cool the way they choreograph this fight. It's not like panel by panel where we have like these medium shots 
where you know mid-ground shots where you have like wolverine and the beast in like you know full body and stuff or even like in wolverine volume one where you have the sword fight between shingen and and wolverine in in issues one and then again in, in issue four where you have these like static moments of like this guy's swinging and wolverine is blocking and that's what this one image is and then this other image is wolverine has swung and this guy's blocked it you know it's not like that instead it's like five splash pages like five one panel pages but or just five open pages there's no paneling or anything like that on it it's just four or five or maybe six images and it's like wolverine from his like upper body and he's getting punched in the face or it's another one of like wolverine laying on the ground and the beast's leg is like stomping on his chest it's stuff like that with a few little narration boxes kind of sprinkled in between it's kind of cool because if we were watching a movie and and Wolverine was fighting this beast that was, you know, twice or, or three times larger than he is, but the camera was only on like Wolverine's from like his knees to his head, then yeah, like whenever a blow was happening, the creature wouldn't be on camera, only his arm or his leg or whatever would be in there as it was interacting physically with Wolverine. And so that's kind of what they did for these, these five pages to show this action. It was pretty cool. I, I, I kind of dug it because you don't really see action done that way in comics, especially with like a, a fight. You know, they, they usually give you the medium sized panels where you might have three or four panels per page to really get the whole choreography between the two characters or the three characters, what have you. So I just thought it was a really cool and interesting way to, to visually represent this fight. And you also get to see like Wolverine's kind of getting his butt kicked because He's getting hit. He's getting stomped on. He's getting kicked. All this stuff left and right. Uh, his clothes have ripped off pretty much from the waist up. So, you know, <laughs> uh, but I think his hood also came off. So there's that at least. Uh, eventually, it seems like the beast might even defeat Wolverine. I think it's it's picked up Wolverine and it's like holding him by the neck. And it's going to it's going to deliver the the final blow. When suddenly from behind this creature, a sword emerges like through the creature's abdomen. And we see that while this whole vicious battle between Wolverine and the actual Doombringer has been going on, Silver Samurai has slowly been making his way in through his injury. You know, he's been fighting the pain, he's been fighting the bleeding, and he's been hanging on to get here to do what he can to help stop the Doombringer. And he does. He impales the beast, and that's enough, I think, to uh, to get it like reeling in pain. It, it drops Wolverine, and then Wolverine is able to then deliver the final blow and actually defeats the Doombringer. So, you know, Wolverine wouldn't have been able to do it without help of the Silver Samurai, this brave act. And, and, it, and it's not lost on Wolverine either. Like, he acknowledges that the Silver Samurai has done a, a great deal. And so the two of them make their way back to the plane through 20 miles of, of jungle in what appears to be like the height of summer because it's sunny and there's, you know, uh, so it was probably difficult, you know, Wolverine healing from injuries. Luckily his healing factor kind of gets him back up to hundred percent, not too long after the battle ends. And they manage, he manages to, uh, to help silver samurai all the way through the jungle, even in like the last leg of their journey, even just picking up and, and cradling silver samurai in his arms as he makes his way to the plane. 
and the silver samurai says, you know, thank you, Logan. I'm, I'm in your debt. Uh, and I'm not sure how I'll ever pay it back. And, and Wolverine says to him, like, you can pay me back by letting me ease your sister's mind. Because when they were there, the two of them did discover that, unfortunately, you know, Clan Yashida was on the bad side. They were on the side that was trying to release the Doombringer and, well, bring Doom to the world. So that is the the conclusion of the battle, you know? And, and so Silver Samurai, uh, I guess, off-panel grants Wolverine this, this request uh, when they get to the plane, Wolverine's like, "All right, Arch, like let's head out and you know, you know, point the nose towards the nearest hospital because I got to drop off this guy, so that they, you know, the doctors can fix him back up and all that." And then we cut to the closing scene. We get a few more pages of story, and we get to see Wolverine go to Lady Mariko to report to her what it is that she asked him to find out. Which in the first place was, you know was that guy telling the truth? And if so, was clan Yashida on the wrong side? So Wolverine comes to lady Mariko and he tells her clan Yashida were the good guys this time. A thousand years ago, they were on the right side of history. They were trying to stop the Doombringer from being brought into this world. They were the good guys. There is no further shame on clan Yashida. And this is the thing, this is what he's telling her out loud. He's telling her clan Yashida were the good guys, but in his mind, his inner monologue, his narration is saying, you know, the reason why Mariko and I are not married is because of this, this clan shame. And even though she's not the one who, who brought the shame onto the family, she still feels that it's her obligation because Yashida blood is flowing in her veins that it is her obligation to wash these sins away from the clan. Now, Wolverine doesn't agree with that. He says, you know, these mistakes, this shame, this was not brought onto the clan by you, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Mariko has made up her mind. And so in his inner monologue, he's saying to us, the reader, really, uh, that he's not going to widen the gap. He's not going to heap more shame onto Mariko and keep them together or excuse me, keep them apart even longer than they have to be kept apart. So he, he lies and he's like, for the rest of my life and the rest of her life, I guess, I will always repeat this lie. I will always tell her the clan Yashida was on the side of good in this battle. And he, he tells her his piece and he leaves. And as he's leaving, Lady Mariko drops the white chrysanthemum that Logan had, had gifted to her at the beginning of this scene. And we get her inner monologue this time, which is, you know, Logan, my love, I always know when you're lying, sort of a deal. And the the story ends. So uh, overall, like, I like the story. It's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, we get typical Wolverine and we get some heroics. We get to see Silver Samurai acting as a hero in this story. We get to see the beginning of the begrudging respect that's held between these two individuals, Silver Samurai and Logan. So I really enjoyed this story. Uh, and it's not too often that we get a story like this where, you know, Wolverine and Silver Samurai kind of team up and have their own little adventure and then go about their business. Usually when these two cross paths, it's 
in the pages of the ongoing and there's all this family political stuff going on, or it's in the pages of X-Men where Silver Samurai is mostly on the side of the villains and this and that. I just really enjoyed this particular story and wanted to make sure that I covered it during Silver Samurai Month. So, Bubs, that will do it for today's story. I hope you liked it. Make sure you tune in next week as we continue this look at the heroic side of the Silver Samurai. If any of you have seen the Disney animated film Big Hero 6, you may be surprised to learn that movie was very loosely inspired by and based on a 1998 limited series, a three-issue series called Sunfire and Big Hero 6. That three-issue storyline or that three-issue miniseries, whatever you want to call it, I think, honestly, it was originally supposed to be an ongoing series, but for whatever reason, it only lasted that first three-issue arc. I could be wrong. So hopefully I'll have some more research done for you for next week and we can get to the bottom of that. But in that particular comic book, the members of Big Hero 6, though similar to a few of the ones that we got in that movie, that awesome movie, might I add, like that movie is great. It's a, such a great superhero movie. It's a lot of fun. And if you've never seen it, it's on Disney Plus. Go check it out if you have a subscription to that service. It's definitely worth watching. It's a whole lot of fun, but very different than the actual comic. And in that comic series, we actually had Silver Samurai as a founding member and the de facto leader of that team, which was supposed to be Japan's national hero team, you know, the the Japanese version of the Avengers or the Red Guard, Red, Red Guardians, Winter Guardians, I, I forget. <laughs> Either way, it is a fun, fun movie. And it was a really interesting three issue series to read. Um, I've, I've read the issues, but I'm still doing some research into the actual series, how it came about, why it was, why it ended and all that. So hopefully I'll have some answers to those questions for you next week. But like I said, make sure you tune in next week as I cover Silver, not Silver Samurai, Sunfire and Big Hero 6 issues one through three. Now, Bubs, if you like the show and want to keep the conversation going, you can find me on Instagram at TalkinSnicked or you can reach out to me via email, talksnicked at gmail.com. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of this particular episode to check out the track, Back from the Dead, brought to you by the very talented musician Retcon X. Uh, he hasn't done anything in the last few years, but all of his stuff is still available on YouTube and Spotify, so go check it out. Who knows? Maybe he uh, checks that stuff, and if he sees that he's getting a lot of traffic, maybe he'll come back. Who knows? I don't know what's going on there, but... Uh, I love that track, and I love his work, so go check out Red Connex. Until next time, bubs. <laughs>